Morning. I think I liked the lapel mic better, but this will have to do. Maybe I should uh, gesture more like Ron does. Then I can't use it either. Well, Jesus, we just thank you for this day and for your presence in our lives uh, constantly. Every day, you're there. And God, we just uh, want to reach up today and take a hold of you and receive from you that what you have for us. God, we've come to this place uh, desiring and expecting to receive something from you. Now, God, what we pray today is that uh, uh, our needs will be met by you and you alone, God, because you are uh, our source and our supply. And God, we just we bind doubt and unbelief, uh, the flesh, the emotions, not every lying voice. Lord, and we lose faith in this place. We lose your spirit in this place. God, to do exactly what you want done. God, to say what you want to say. God, we pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So, I see everybody caught on to the daylight savings time. It's good. The, uh, the first year Cynthia and I were married, uh, I worked at a at a uh, factory, and we we lived right on Sixth Street in Lawrence. And we were leaving for work one morning. She dro- would drop me off, and uh, there was nobody out. Usually traffic was really heavy when I was on my way to work, and there was just nobody around. And we thought, how strange is this? And then, of course, we'd put it all together by the time I got there. Showed up to work an hour late, and everybody gave me a really hard time about that. That was fun. So, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. Actually, that would have been in the spring when you move your clock the other direction. But nonetheless, I think the only thing about daylight savings time that's really worth a darn to me is the fact that you get to time travel. You know, I mean, how cool is that, right? Eat your heart out, Michael Crichton. So, so last week, you know, if you were here, which you were, then then you know that God is a, a faithful God. You know, every time we have a service like we had last Sunday, I just I just kind of stand up here and think about, man, God, what would we do without you? What what would we do without your faithfulness and and how? Sometimes we just get to a point in our life where we just we really need something from him, and there he is. And uh, I like how sometimes God shows up and does these amazing things that you weren't even expecting. I really like when he does that. You know, I, I'm not one to enjoy surprises typically. You know, when you jump out from behind something and say surprise, I I, I kind of want to hurt you. Um, you know, I, uh, I, lots of anticipation and the surprise of something, you know, typically not my thing. Because to me, a surprise might be good, but it might not be. And I've had lots of nasty surprises over the years, so. But it's precious how God does that, how he, he brings to us those things that we need. You know, Isaiah 64, he says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and that you, the mountains would flow down at your presence when you did terrible things that we look not for. I like that. Terrible things, you know, because terrible didn't mean the same thing 400 years ago that it means now. Terrible used to be a good thing. 
like the great and terrible God, you know, and 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 he and uh, you know he does do those amazing things. Sometimes it seems to me some of the best things that God does in your life kind of take you by surprise like that. You weren't really looking for it. You weren't expecting it. He just kind of drops it in your lap, and it's precious how he does that. So when that happens then we have an adversary that would like to take it away from you before you really get used to having it around. Because if he can take it from you before you even leave church or before the day is even over with, then then it leaves you in this spot of thinking, did I really get that? Or did, was that, did I just imagine that? Because you know sometimes God does things in your life and it's... It feels like a dream. It's like, could this really be true? Could this really be happening? I can't believe this is actually happening. And, you know, we've all had those moments. And so it's just like when Jesus talked about the parable of sowing the seed and how, uh, you know, the, the enemy would come in and try and take it away before it really could take root. And so we have an adversary that wants to take away those things that God gives you. Because because he hates you and he can't stand that God loves you and that God wants to bless you. So if your week was anything like mine, then I would then you probably had to wrestle with hanging on to the things that that God gave you, um, or 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 maybe maybe you didn't, but maybe maybe you still felt this sense of of turmoil or despair or or loss or whatever. Because because God uh, puts us together and we we bear one another's burdens and so uh, the the uh, the brilliant thing about a burden is that it feels like it's you when you're when you're interceding for somebody it feels like you're the one that's about to drop off into the abyss and so you you pray more seriously about it you all know that and so. Um, I, I kind of had that experience this week of just feeling this utter despair. And, and I thought, I have nothing to be despairing about. Everything in my life is coming up roses. And and after a service like that, I mean, who could be discouraged, yeah. you know? And uh, but, but that's the thing, is we have that adversary, and, and he likes to he likes to just kind of spook you. He likes to try and buffalo you into a corner and intimidate you that... That, well, yeah, you may have had a great Sunday, but I can take it away from you. And, and that's what he likes to do. So so then we make up our mind that we're not going to let him. You know, there's this thing about, you know, he, he wants to intimidate you. by he, he takes hold of what you got. But you're still holding on to what you got. And so then you're you're wrestling over it. And, and the whole time he's telling you that you've lost it and you've let go of it and all this stuff. And... Meanwhile, your your fingernails are leaving imprints in this thing that God gave you because you're not going to let it go. You know, Mark Rutland tells this great story. Uh, he has this little book called Nevertheless, and and it's a precious little book. And and he starts out in the beginning telling this story about uh, he he coached an inner city football team for one season, and. Uh, um, all these inner city kids were really, really enjoyed trash talking each other and, and stuff uh, in the locker room, as as young men are wont to do when they're filled with uh, testosterone and and youth. 
and uh, um, it's all in good fun mostly. And uh, but there come those moments where somebody crosses a line and everything gets quiet. Uh, so he tells a story about about Marcus, the quarterback, and he was a little guy. You know, he wasn't terribly large. He was quarterback, but he was really clever and had an, a reputation for uh, really talking smack on people in a in a rather eloquent fashion. And so he decided he was going to pick on Romeo, who was this tree of a man that was a that played a tackle and. Uh, he just he started in on this guy and everybody just kind of stopped to listen. And he just you know, if you've ever heard somebody that really likes to talk and they, they just and if you don't say anything back but they just keep on talking and talking, you know, I got picked on a lot when I was a kid and occasionally you would get those people that like to pick on you that would you know, you it didn't really do any good to say anything back to them. You know, it's like anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of junior high. And so they all, you know, they, they like to bring their bring their stuff and and uh, doesn't really do much good to say anything back typically. And and so he, he took the kid's silence as this is working really well. I'm just going to keep going. So Mark Rutland comes out of his his office thinking he's probably going to have to save this this young man's life because after all if you if you make the big guy snap things might not go so well and um uh so before he gets there evidently Romeo decides he's had enough still hasn't said anything and doesn't appear to be in any particular hurry or distress he just picks up his football helmet by the face mask and he just swings it in this arc that that ended with well actually kind of I think it probably just kept on going right through Romeo's or Marcus's head and so down he goes with a thud and he stands over his this twitching little mouthy boy and he just looks down at him and he says, oh, yeah? <laughs> I like that. It's a very it's a very efficient, economical kind of response. Oh, yeah? You know, because after all, you know, sticks and stones, they, they'll break your bones. And so uh, they just left him to snooze and went along their practice and and he said, you know, I that story stuck with me, and I thought, you know, God, I'd like a, I'd like a biblical equivalent of, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, because there's so many times that you you get in a, a battle with the enemy, and and he wants to twist everything around, make it some kind of intellectual thing where you, you're trying to figure it out and figure out what he's doing and why is he why is this this could be right why is he saying that well i don't know maybe and because if he he knows if he can get you in, down that path then it's like it's like stepping on marbles and uh and so uh he he talks about in this book uh 
There's about 97 places or so in the Bible that uh, uses the word nevertheless. And that's the title of the book. But it's a great word. You know, it's a conjunction. It, it, it combines two things. You know, I mean, you could say but. You could say however. I, I like nevertheless. It, to me, it has more, a little more ring to it, a little more football helmet thwacking into the side of the head. But, you know, the thing about nevertheless is it, it doesn't necessarily discount the thing that's being said. Because, because what you're getting ready to do is contradict the first thing. You have sentence A, you have sentence B, and in between them you have nevertheless. And so, sentence A, well, you know, you're, you're, you're acknowledging, well, that might be. Perhaps. Perhaps what you say is true. Nevertheless, what I'm getting ready to say completely trumps what you just said. And so, I like that word... Nevertheless, you know, because you can kind of just use it all by itself. Nevertheless, you know, when you're when you're in college and and uh, all of their their uh, tolerance and and uh, and equality and everything is, uh, you know, only stretches, of course, to the liberal side of things. And nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. He knows them that are his. So. Because people will want to wrangle with you intellectually about God, and God's not, not you can't really comprehend Him like that. I mean, there, there's things in the Word, of course, the milk of the Word, that you can grasp with your mind. But when it comes right down to it, God, God cannot just be explained away, and He and He can't be explained necessarily to people in a way that if they don't have faith, that, that they could be forced to see it you know uh, i mean there's those there's those books the case for christ and all that stuff but it's all still just intellectual wrangling and if you don't have faith then it doesn't make any difference what you know if the person doesn't believe and they're not going to believe then say what you will it makes no difference and um so so i like that word nevertheless so so go with me to second timothy chapter 2. I kind of already spoiled it because I already quoted the scripture that I'm getting ready to read, but that's okay. Right before Hebrews, you have Timothy and Titus. Because, of course, Paul and Timothy were tight. So, anyway, um, again, I'm going to skip back to verse 1 because it seems like a good place to start. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that's an interesting phrase, an interesting thought. Be strong in the grace. You know, because after all, grace is unmerited favor. But, again, you have an adversary who wants to make you not so confident in that grace. Makes you want to doubt that it's for you. So, so to be strong in the grace, then, we take the whole armor of God. Because we've got all those parts, we've got all those pieces, and we have the, the very word of God. And uh, the Bible says that we are strengthened with might, with his might, or with might by his spirit in the inner man. 
And so we, we draw that strength from Him. So be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. And it's a blessing how the body begins to edify itself as we all... Um, as we all get those things inside of us, as we all have those those things from the Word of God that we can encourage one another with, just like we talked about, about um, God making up his, his jewels, making up his treasure, those people who spoke often of him. You know, because um, soldiers don't ignore each other, and soldiers don't don't just focus on themselves. You know, a soldier is about, their their business is about getting everybody uh, to the other side successful and so as we as we learn these things then about the the battle that we're in then we we can indeed encourage one another and and edify the body thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of jesus christ i'm not sure how much i like that i, I like now you know therefore sit in your comfy chair with your nice ottoman as a good scholar of Christ or something, you know. <laughs> you know, I kind of have this idyllic room that I hope to have someday where I could have my smoking jacket and a pipe and a fez and <laughs> sit with... <laughs> oh, sorry. But, you know, I, who doesn't like to be comfortable? Who doesn't like things to be easy? Everybody likes that. But you, but everybody understands that when they sign up for the army, that that's not what they're after. That that's that, that you know that that's what happens after the 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 enemy is is utterly vanquished. Then you can go home to your smoking jacket and your pipe, and your comfy chair, your pretty room with your bearskin rug and your fireplace. And anyway, so enduring hardness then. We go through difficult things, and one of those difficult things is is when the enemy waits until your guard is down because you've just received this awesome victory from God, and you're celebrating, and celebrate you should. However, he likes to catch you then when your guard is down and try and... and uh, Try and take it away from you. Try and bring something else against you then, some, something else he can fight with you about. And, and any, any soldier understands that when you, you, you come out victorious in a skirmish that you should expect a counterattack then. If you, if you have taken the, the enemy's uh, command post or whatever, I don't know, taken their stuff, then you should expect for them to come back after it. And and so I, I like how he talks about us being soldiers, you know, because we have to have that mindset. He said, arm yourself with the same mind that, that Jesus did. You know, and his life wasn't about ease and, and comfort and stuff. His life was about I'm, I have something I have to do and I... I serve God, and whatever He would tell me to do, that's the thing I do. Um, sometimes I wish I had been in the military because I think it would have been good for me to have that sense of, I don't care if you like it or not, I said do it, so do it. 
Because I, I kind of do that with my kids, but sometimes I think, well, you know, my parents never did that with me. If I didn't want to do it, I didn't have to do it. So it's kind of, I feel somewhat hypocritical sometimes telling my children, I should do it, so do it. But, yeah, it works okay. So no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husband that labors must be first partakers of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So again, you know, he he uh, he talked in another place about making up in, in, in himself uh, of the, the suffering that was lacking. I can't think of how it goes exactly, but you know what I'm talking about. We, we uh, you know, we fight for one another, and, and when, when somebody... Uh, um, when somebody needs help, then God knows how to get somebody in there to help them. Um, you know, sometimes uh, God will will give you something, give you a word uh, when you're in the midst of a of a, a difficult trial, in the middle of a just a place where you just feel vexed and beaten down, and God will give you a word, give you a promise, and and it seems. It feels like if the windows of heaven were open, could this thing be? And 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 then the enemy immediately comes in with, oh, but if you don't believe it, if you don't take hold of this and believe it, then it ain't happening. And and then you're just going to be in worse shape than you were before. And and then you know what? How do you would you expect God to bail you out if you don't even believe what He said? But God God knows how to bring somebody there with you, somebody that can believe it for you and until you come to that place of believing it. You know, I've I, I've been in those kind of spots before where I dealt with people that I was close to that they, they just needed somebody to believe it for them. And 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 so God does that. And and it's a precious thing that he does that because you you come to places that it just feels like, well, you know, because I've I've been I've been on the other side of that, just feeling like, wow, I just I don't feel like I could believe that, and 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 it, it makes you really feel beat down when you get something awesome from God, and then the enemy comes in immediately to try to take it away from you because then it makes you feel like you're somehow a failure, that that you're some big big loser because you're not holding on to the thing that God gave you or that you're struggling to appropriate it for yourself, and so God will surround you with people that are uh, you may not even know they are. Uh, you may not even know that that you are surrounded by people who are praying. But but God knows that if if it's three in the morning and you need somebody to pray for you, He knows how to find somebody that's up or get somebody up to to be praying. And they may not even know what they're praying about. But uh, you can rest assured that no matter what state you're in, no matter what you're dealing with, that, that God is on your side and that he's got everything under control and that he's, he's not just going to, uh, to leave you in the, in the place that you're at.
So he says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. So that's encouraging. So then if we... Uh, if we partake in the, and, and he talks about this through all, throughout the epistles, if we if we're partaking of the one thing, we get to partake of the other thing. So, um, you know, that's the thing about being a fair weather friend. The fair weather friend wants to just partake of the good stuff. It's like the fair weather friend is standing at the altar, and the minister says, "For better, or for worse," and you say, "For better, please." And uh, you know, I always thought maybe that was like a true or false test. Yeah, it's like for better or for worse, better. For richer or for poor, richer. Uh, I mean, that's kind of what I was going for. And you know, so well, when, when Cynthia and I got married, we were penniless, but but we lived on love. Isn't that, how, isn't that how it works when you start out early American poverty? So if we suffer, we shall also reign with him then. If we deny him, he'll also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. So so even if if you're not, if, if you feel like you've, you can't hold on to the thing that God gave you, the thing that God's telling you, then he's saying he still abides faithful because he can't deny himself. He said that... that uh, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, shall he not do it? Has he spoken, shall he not make it good? So God, if he, if he, I mean, we talked about this last week. If God tells you something, then it is good as gold, and you can you can bank on it. So of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So that's a that's a, a great way to. Uh, it's like a soldier uh, sharpening his uh, his sword around the fire at night, uh, getting out his his, uh, his little cloth and polishing his armor and sewing up the little deals and his leather jerkin and all that stuff. You know, we 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 study, you know. It's like you, you've you've got the soldiers that are just kind of hanging around, and then you've got the guy that it's time it, you know it's probably about time to go to bed, and he's still out practicing, you know. And so that's a it's a great place to be because we that's you know we we learn those things, and then uh, the people around you benefit from those things every bit as much as you benefit from that because we need each other, and so God needs people that can. That can do that, and 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 it's his power that does it. But but he needs somebody that'll get in there and make up their mind. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker. Uh, in the margin says uh, gangrene, which is colorful, because that is some nasty business. Let's see, but their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. So, so he's talking about these guys that have got these false doctrines that they're that they're putting out there and they're and they're 
they're overthrowing the faith of people by saying that, well, you've missed out because the resurrection has passed already because Jesus was raised from the dead, right? So, so then the resurrection has passed and we all missed it. And doesn't that just sound like something that the devil would say? Like, well, you missed out. You missed your opportunity. The ship has sailed. Better luck next time. Oh, wait, there is no next time. You know, and and that's, that's how he is. But I like this because here he's talking about how these guys have got these things to say. And, and to me, this is just it, this is perfect of, of the kinds of things that the enemy says. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. You know, the seal that he's talking about is like a signet ring or like a wax seal. You know, the kind of thing that that, that this is definitive proof that this message came from the king. And so he's saying that this message that the foundation of God stands sure, that, uh, um, that God knows them that are his, that he's got his personal seal on it. And that, to me, that is great news. Go with me to Romans 8. It's hard to stay out of Romans 8. You know, you, you go to go to put a study together and you find yourself just sort of meandering over to that place that's creased in your in the spine of your Bible. Like, oh, I just opened to Romans 8. Maybe we'll talk about that again. There's just a lot, a lot of really good stuff in there. So, you know, I like, but the thing I liked about that scripture in, in Timothy is it makes me think of that, that the story that we told about Romeo and Marcus. Because here he has all this trash to say about Romeo and how, what a big doofus he is, what a loser he is, and how he's just this brutish oaf of a man. You know, I don't know, he probably probably said something a little more black, but, um, you know, he, I like, I like Romeo's nevertheless answer. Just, just, I mean, lays him out and says, oh yeah. You know, because he didn't deal with all the things that the guy said. He just said, oh yeah. You know, and that's what I like about nevertheless. It's like, well, you know, you can say all these things about me, but, you know, God is my father. God is my potter. And if you're not happy with me, if you've got something to gripe about me, then you can take it up with him. So I, I might be a big, big doofus, but nevertheless, I'm his big, big doofus. And he knows how to undoofus me. So if, if that's not a word it is now, if you would like to use it, the copyright... It's mine, 1995, per use, royalties, and I will be checking on you. So in Romans 8, and I'm going to be in verse 24, you know, he's talking about becoming the things that, that, that God has for us. In fact, I may as well just go back to 18 and read it. 
slippery slope. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us. So, so maybe today I, I'm, I feel like I'm suffering and dejected and, and in despair. Nevertheless, sufferings that I'm feeling now is not worthy to be compared with the glory that's coming. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but we ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is not seen is not hope, or hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. What I really wanted to get to there was 24 and 25, and it's kind of an interesting statement. You know, uh, hope, uh, and I think we've talked about this recently, hope is not really, the, has changed. The, the, the meaning of the word hope, the way we use it, has changed a great deal since the King James was translated. Because when I say hope, I think wishy-washy, uncertainty, well, I sure hope this is going to work out. Like, do you, do you think we're going to get paid at the end of this job? I hope so. And we've done some of those where I hoped. And it was a wishy-washy uncertainty that we were going to get paid. But uh, but no hope, and and the way that that the uh, the translators used hope uh, in in this is is a certainty, because hope you know the like you always you hear that phrase the blessed hope, the blessed wishy washy uncertainty, you know the you know but hope is the the desire of getting something good and having a certainty of getting it. So, you know, so you know, dying and going to heaven is our hope. It's a certainty because we belong to him. He knows them that are his. So, it's not I just I can't um can't reiterate that enough. It's not a wishy-washy kind of thing. It's a certainty. We are saved by hope. We're saved by that ex- expectation of, of of believing the things that God says, of, of receiving that good that He has for us. But hope that is not, or that is seen, is not hope. That's not hope anymore. If you see it, if you've got it in your hands, it's not hope anymore, because you see it. You you have received that certainty, and now now you believe it because you can see it. So we're saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? Because he's got it. He doesn't need to hope for it anymore. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? You know, yesterday I was sitting at my desk and and I, I read that and I just kind of sat back and I thought, we do? <laughs> I, I can't think of very many things I waited for patiently. Kind of the impatient type. And uh, 
you know, I uh, there was a I had this great idea for a birthday gift for somebody, and their birthday was still nearly two months away, and I was shopping for something else, and I came across it again and uh, on Amazon, and they were almost out, and I thought that would be just the dumbest thing ever if I waited until it got closer to their birthday and then they didn't have it anymore. So I'm going to buy it now. So I did. But I'm impatient. And so then I was just dancing, wanting to give it to them. Like, I I know your birthday is still two months away, but I, I can give it to you now. But, oh, man, that it's just not the same, right? And... You know, my kids love me at Christmas time because I buy them things and then I can't hardly wait. And then I, so I give them stuff and then I think, well, I've got to have more stuff for them to open when on Christmas. And back to the store we go. They, they love me. Oh, old, old dad's a soft touch on the, on that kind of thing, I guess. But, um, well, it's fun because, you know, when I, I grew up an only child and uh, I, I actually, I got quite a bit of stuff. You know, Christmas morning was, you know, quite the gold mine. Um, uh, all of my cousins uh, didn't fare as well as me, but they all had siblings. And my parents just happened to be more in debt than other than everybody else. So it's nice to have three children and still be able to, to do that rather inconvenient that two of my children's birthdays are right next to Christmas. But what are you going to do? So, so he says, uh, if I can find it again, but if we hope for that, we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? So patience. I had to just put that gift that I bought in my basement, which really there's no place in my house you can just put something and you're not going to see it. Because you know the basement is my prayer spot, so it's it's there, and you know, my house is not that big, so I can't really just put it some unused place. But eventually, it kind of you know how if you have something around long enough, you it becomes invisible. You know, uh, you know Cynthia put this nicely illustrated um, uh, instruction thing in our bathroom for the children, because with the advent of the uh, um, uh, automatic flushing toilets. Children no longer know how to do that. <laughs> yes, and and there are various other things that don't get done because they're impatient and want to get back to whatever it is that they're missing. And uh, so we had this great little thing there, and it was beautifully illustrated. She's quite the artist, but. It was there so long, it just became invisible. And, of course, they're children, so they're just just—they're not thinking about it. But we had things like that all over our house that just, they've been there a long time, and you don't even see it anymore. So eventually, this, this box in my basement became invisible. And, uh, and then I remembered this morning that it was time. And so I was feverishly wrapping it this morning before church. So, so I guess, you know, I've learned a little patience. But, but, you know, I thought that's an interesting statement, that we wait for that hope that we have with patience. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, it's easy to see the things in your life and, and the, the, 
and then look at the promises that God gave you, that hope, that certainty with expect or that desire with certainty that you have. And it's it's difficult to be patient about it. You know, when you when you've got something really great coming, it's it's hard to just you know, whenever, today, tomorrow, manana, manana, no big deal. You know, and you know, and that's just that's not the Western mindset anyway. It's I want it now. You know, and uh and that's kinda of how our society is, this sort of drive through microwave in, you know, vending machine mentality that we have. And uh so it, you know, we I think we miss a lot in waiting to get things from God because gone are the days when you order something out of a catalog and you have to wait for your order form to get there and then sit on somebody's desk and then eventually they fill your order and then they ship it to you. And so they they always have that little disclaimer, please allow at least six to eight weeks for delivery. Like, six to eight weeks? What? <laughs> six to eight weeks? I'll be an old man. <laughs> I won't want the propeller beanie anymore. <laughs> you know? I'll be too old for the x-ray specs, man. <laughs> so patience, then. <laughs> you know, the thing about patience, um, and I had to, I'm going to have to consult my notes, pardon me. Um, this, this word patience is a Greek word, hypomone, and it means patience uh, indeed, but it has this sense with it of steadfastness and constancy and endurance, which when you when you really get down to it, those all have things, those are all elements of being patient. I don't really think of it that way. To me, patient is not huffing and sighing and tapping your foot. It's like, well, I'm being patient. But... Um, so he's talking about if we don't have that thing yet, we're, we're certain, absolutely certain of receiving it. There, there's no doubt about that. But while I'm waiting for it, I can be steadfast and constant and and endure. And, you know, uh, endurance is something that you you build. Endurance isn't something that you just have. You you endure things, and and it builds your sense of endurance. And uh, and to really build your endurance, you typically have to be pushed beyond the place you thought you could endure, until that becomes doable, and then you get pushed beyond that place. And uh, um, but it makes you strong to do that. You know, I I know I don't look like it, but I used to lift weights when I was young, and you kind of have to get to that place where you're trembling and you're about to drop it and you need some sweaty guy to pick it up for you. And But that's that's how you, you get stronger. That's how you gain the endurance to keep doing it. So then, so we have, we have an adversary then that wants to take away from you the things that God gives you before you really get a chance to get used to having it around. Because you know, sometimes it takes, you know, God can give you something and it takes a while to really appropriate it, for it to really sink in. This is mine. And uh, and that's one of those times that the adversary likes to come in and try and, and shake your confidence that you actually have it. 
because if he if if he can get you to doubt that you have it, then it's a lot a lot harder to 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 believe it then because then you it becomes this big uh, emotional intellectual figure it out kind of struggle. So so then, but as we go through these things, we learn patience because our hope is certain. You know, and it, it's a lot easier to deal with something if you know, if you know the outcome. You know, um, Cynthia likes a good love story. As long as she knows that it ends well, she can deal with all the the gut wrenching in the middle. But it, but if it's gut wrenching in the middle and then it doesn't really turn out right, which I've seen a few of those, then, you know, then her nostrils dilate and she. <laughs> She plays frisbee with the disc. I was like, "This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen." Like, are you kidding me? But you know, some people they don't like to know the end of the movie. I I can deal with that. That's not a big deal. But you know, Cynthia's got to know. Like, just just tell me the end. It's like it's like it's like oh, they fall in love and everything is wonderful and she has cancer. You know, she's, does she live? Because if she lives, then I'll watch the movie. If she doesn't live, I ain't watching this movie. You know? So, so we, we have the advantage then in our life of we already know the outcome. You know, there's, you always go through things that it looks uncertain. You go through things where how could this possibly turn out okay? Or, you know, how is my life going to work out right? But you know the outcome of that already, and and so, you know what we uh, what we would like sometimes, or what we expect, is not necessarily the thing that God has in mind for us. But I can tell you that that the thing that He does have for your life, you can rest assured that it's good. So when you when you come to that place where the future just kind of is like a blank white thing. Then, then you can trust him to know that it's it's going to be it's going to be good. It's going to turn out all right. So because you already know the outcome, and and so so then uh, each of those those places, each of those difficult things that you come through, then is a chance to gain that endurance to practice becoming patient. Like I said, I'm not a terribly patient person, and I keep. Asking God with gritted teeth to help me to be more patient because I know how you get it. And so I've been praying that for years and you've seen my children, they're wonderful. But they try my patience. And so I have, I've learned a great deal of endurance and self-control in, in having children. It's, it's, a, it's a really great exercise. If you've never done it, it's, not for the faint of heart. Um, so, so yeah. So, like I said, we have that certainty, and we can we can just be patient and just rest in the fact that God knows how to get it done, and that that the things that He's promised you, it's it's going to happen, and so you you have that hope, that expectation of good that's a certainty that you can just hang on to it and put it in the bank. 
So Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for your word to us, for your love and your mercy, God, all that you've done to watch out for us and, and bless us. God, we appreciate it. God, and we, we appreciate the things that you've given to to all of us. God, the... Uh, God's services like last week, God, are such a blessing to us, God, and we, we, we look forward to them, and, and we appreciate the things that you do and, and that, that nothing else could do. God, uh, nothing else could uh, take the place of your presence coming among your people and, and doing those things that we, that we need. So, God, we, we thank you for that, and we appreciate you, and we, just, we pray today, God, that your presence would have free course in this place, God, preeminence to do exactly what you want to do, God, complete liberty in every heart, God, that, that uh, our hearts would be thrown wide open to you in, in faith and trust and hope. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.